0: As you'll hear me say during today's conversation, Kim Ripper, guesting on Dear Founder, exemplifies A, the power of podcasting, and B, the power of your network. You see, Kim and I were both guests on Sunny Bada's podcast, We Gotta Talk. Sunny connected us, and the rest is history. I recently recorded an episode for Kim's Top 20 Podcast, Mom's Exit Interview, which you'll hear us talk about today. And of course, today you'll hear Kim's incredible story of leaving corporate America to start her own company right here on Dear Founder. Capping off a 15-year career in TV news and digital at Fox, Netflix, PopSugar, Kim Ripper launched and ran the video unit for Us Weekly, overseeing an 18-person team until her parent company was purchased. She found herself trying to salvage what she had worked so hard for, all from the hospital with an IV in her arm as she delivered her second child. While Kim still had her executive job, she lost her desire to be in corporate America. She launched her own company, which offers video and content strategy and media training. However, her path to entrepreneurship was riddled with questions and anxieties, thus giving birth to the Mom's Exit Interview podcast, which aims to inspire and educate moms seeking fulfillment outside of the traditional nine to five. I'm so excited for you to meet Kim Ripperg. Come on in. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Dear Found Her. I am so excited about today's guest who I just had the pleasure of talking with for about a half hour. Kim Ritberg is here. And before I tell you who she is, I want to make mention that her being on this show is the is really an example of the power of connections and networking. So Kim and I were both on a podcast with Sunny Bada back to back. And it was Sunny Bada's team who connected us and who put us in touch with one another. And all summer, we've been following each other and on our podcasting journeys and our marketing journeys. And we finally were like, we need to get each other on each other's podcasts. And so here we are. I'm so excited. Kim Ripper's here. She is the host of an incredible new podcast called Mom's Exit Interview. But prior to that, she was a 15-year media veteran. She has so much background and knowledge and experience in the world of video. She launched the video unit at Us Weekly. I mean, that's bananas. I'm so excited to talk about that. And in addition to her podcast now, she also has a video strategy and coaching business. So, Kim, welcome to Dear Founder. Thank you so much for having me.
1: And you're I'm, totally you're totally right about the power of connections. I feel like it's so amazing to meet all these women doing these incredible things and sharing knowledge and information. So I'm excited. We're friends now.
0: I know. I'm so happy you're here. So tell us about your background. I know that like, I just, people heard the introduction. People heard me talking just now, but you are going to share it best. And I want people to know about your rich history and why you do what you do now.
1: Great. So I'm going to start from the beginning, it was a cold winter night. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I started my career in news. So I was a TV news, like booker and then producer. And what that means is I would have to call people when they were in the middle of a news story and convince them to be on camera. And it's a really hard job. It was like one of the world's hardest jobs. Um, Anyway, so what I found was like, I really love telling stories and I loved getting to interview people. And it was the sort of thing where you have like a little luggage under your desk, just in case you get sent out to a news story. And like, in with no notice. Um so I got to cover like inaugurations and really big news stories across the country. And it was great. Um, I did news for about nine years. And you learn so much. Like I was in the control room, like, you know, a guest is there and then suddenly the next guest isn't there and you have to like figure out what you're doing and you're in charge of writing all the on-screen graphics. And it's just like a very exciting thing. Um, I did realize though that I'm not a news junkie. And so I was like, oh um kind of building my career in this area that I don't really want to be in like 5 or 10 years. So I shifted away from that. I worked in long form TV shows, uh producing things like The Fabulous Life of Justin Bieber and true crime shows like wives with knives. Um and I was writing those, so writing and producing it and working with an editor to like bring it to life with music and footage and then this is 2015. So like, you know, a little sniff of the digital era coming and I totally knew with like such clarity I wanted to go into digital and I loved TV I think I still do I think it's like so fun and it's a great hard hard but a really like great industry um and I had a friend who worked at Us Weekly and I was like you need to introduce me to the editor-in-chief like I need to pitch him that I'm going to build a video unit and um So I went to I went to his office, and I think he probably thought I was a lunatic. I was like, I'm going to build you a a unit, and I'm going to hire, and it's going to be amazing. And they didn't end up hiring me then, but a year later they did hire me, and so I got to build a business within a business, pretty much. So I was pregnant at that at that point. Actually, I was five months pregnant when I started that job, and that was definitely like that job. You know, you have a job that you're like, oh, or like, I'm really doing something that feels big and hard. But an accomplishment. Um, and so I scaled that, I scaled the video unit from me to me plus two people when I got back from maternity leave. We were three people and then we were like 18 within seven months and I was pumping in my office. It was like, I like to say when the blind, when the blinds are down, don't come round. And I was like on my messenger assigning people work and pumping in my office and like running out the door to relieve my nanny. And it was, you know, just those early days of like having a baby and working really, really hard, but I loved it. Um, and so, yeah, so there I was, I was, um, there and then I had my, I was pregnant with my second and it was going really well, like not to be like braggy or whatever, but uh, truly objectively, it was going really well. We had a big team. we were making a lot of content. We were making money and then we were acquired and the acquiring company even said, they're like, we're buying a magazine company, but we're really excited about your video unit. Like we, you know, we think it's organized really well. You're making money. And I'm like, oh, great. But this is, it's, it's an acquisition. So a lot of people got fired and then no one got fired on my team, but like a lot of people were quitting. And I was in the hospital with my second child, uh, delivering my second child. And I was on my phone and like reading resumes to fill the roles. I'm not kidding. Like Ivy in my arm, like beep, beep, beep. And my, my husband's there, my mom's there. And I'm like, what am I doing? Like, I love what I'm doing for work. I, I really do. It's very. I'm very passionate about it. And I love leading a team. And I love being a mentor. And I love that you get to shift. You're always learning. But like, this is like not how I want my life to go, especially in the part of my career where I finally been working for 15 years and I feel
0: like I made it. Like, this is not what I was looking for. So what happened? I mean, like, because I think a lot of women, moms especially, have that moment but they don't do anything about it, you know, and they'll just kind of chug along, go on with their maternity leave, come back and work at the capacity by which, you know, they feel that they can and often are unhappy, but you did something about it. So, yeah, you know, it's because my background is in content. So like I was
1: a TV writer and producer and then a video producer and executive producer. So I'd love to speak in a soundbite and be like, I had my epiphany and i started my business and it was a huge success and now i'm the ceo no it was i knew i i knew i didn't want to rebuild what i had already built so it might be like but you still had this great job and like you know it, well so what go back you have this great job truly i worked so hard to build something i had like a tiny baby and i was like i'm not rebuilding this i did what i needed to do as i was having my baby like legitimately i was i was in the office up until like right till the baby was born I moved our whole studio that I built from one place all the way down to a second location. I helped rebuild all the workflow, all the systems. I hired all these new people like at nine months pregnant and I was committed to not build, not rebuilding everything I had just spent two and a half years building. So I was like, you know what? I built them a good machine. I actually feel like they can go run it. We had really good people. And I was like, you should make these people lead the team. And I'm going to start the next stage of my career. Um, I was like, I want to work for myself, but there it's not that simple. I feel like, you know, I had a lot of self-doubt. I definitely did not know who would be my clients. You know, of course I really know how to make content, but like, what does that mean? Who's going to pay me money for that? How am I going to market it? And I had like a client or two, I made a tiny bit of money, but then I got recruited for another job and I was like, well, let me just try this thing. And it was like a VP of branded content and that job like did not go, it was like a sort of a short lived thing. And then I was like, I definitely know I want to work for myself. And then Netflix recruited me. And I, again, knew I wanted to work for myself. But, you know, it's really hard to say no to like appealing full-time jobs. And I went to Netflix. I did a year there. I did some of the best work of my life. I mean, I got to direct and produce content for Tina Fey and Paul Rudd and all this like amazing high budget. Um, And you meet really, really smart colleagues. And it was a very valuable learning experience. But like I was there a year. And then I was like, with total clarity, I'm working for myself. I don't care who is going to come to me and offer me a full-time job. I'm a hundred percent doing this. Whatever happens, happens. Like I'm all in, but that took two years. All to say it took two years from my epiphany to actually starting. Because it's
0: scary. It's so scary. It is really scary to give up what I imagine was a very good salary with benefits, you know, and the, and also just like. The, you you know you had a paycheck coming into your bank account every two weeks and it was just it, it's so scary to give that up. To your point, you said you didn't know who would be your clients, and you don't know you don't know when you're going out on your own unless you have a client right away that you're going to work with and then build upon. It's a very hard thing to wrap your head around, especially coming from corporate America, where everything's kind of like plugged in for you and organized for you. And you have your role within the organization, because when you leave, you are the organization and you need to like figure out how it's going to work and what's going to happen. So when you finally did cut the cord, what was that like initially? And how, like, how did that look for you?
1: So I feel like I had a lot of realizations about myself and some of it was about identity. And just realizing how much of my identity was wrapped up in my business card. And letting go of that was a real process, but so valuable. Like, I I realized, like, I don't need the email signature. I identified the things about working that I liked. So what I did was I said, okay, what are the things over the past 15 years that I really liked doing and I'm good at and 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 I really thrive? I can help others and I enjoy. so. Video strategy, I love like sitting down with a company, looking at what they're doing, doing an audit, doing a review, and then doing a plan of what should you be making? How should you be showing up? Where should you be putting your content? Paid ads, content marketing. I love that. I actually love that. Not one video, not two videos, but like how do you present your company in editorial seeming content? You know, nobody wants to watch your ad. No one wants to watch your ad, but they will, they will, they will engage with content. That's interesting. That's in that genre, you know, that's in that niche of yours. So I love that. And I love coaching. I love on-camera coaching in news. I trained a lot of people to be live on camera. So whether it's a person who's never been on camera before or a CEO, I would help them prepare their messaging and their sound bites, and then interview them and help them improve. And I loved that. So I was like, these are the two things I really love doing. Like, I'm going to go all in on that and, and see what happens. So my very first client was people magazine. Actually, I through networking lunches, whatever, just chatting with people that I had already known. Someone referred me to a person there. And then I was consulting with them, um, for like three days a week for like a year and a half. And I loved it. And I did a lot of work with them, um, video strategy. I helped them launch some of their new audio products. So I was an executive producer and did development on some of their podcasts. And that was an amazing experience. And then during that time, I also got other clients like more, I'd say small to mid-sized clients. So a lawyer, um, a realtor and helping them with on-camera coaching or video strategy. So for one person, it's getting them up to speed to be on camera. And for another person, it's like creating a suite of educational videos for them to put on their YouTube channel.
0: Do you feel that you got clients from the networking and word of mouth? Did you reach out to people? Did you send out an email saying, this is what I'm going to do now. This is what I'm doing. This is my business. Like, how do you feel like the clients found you? And I think that this is a really important lesson for the people listening, because I do think that a lot of service based entrepreneurs, that's kind of the, the hang up, right? It's like, how do I get clients and I'm not comfortable like reaching out to people?
1: That's such a great question. And it's so important because whether you have the confidence or not, or don't have the confidence, like if you don't put yourself out there to get clients, you're going to feel like, oh, my business isn't thriving. I'm not having anyone reach out. Well, you have to put yourself out there. So what I did was I'm pretty active. I've always been pretty active on social in some way. So at that point, I think it was probably LinkedIn where I was really showing up, not even that often, to be honest, but I would post what I was up to. So, when I worked at Netflix, the videos take a long time to run. So, some of the videos I had worked on ran like a year later. So, I wasn't still there, but I'm like, oh, I just shared it. Loved working on this video about Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt with Tina Fey and um, Ellie Kemper. Have a look. It's a behind the scenes. Someone I had met 10 years ago reached out and said, oh, I'm looking for video content. Can we chat? So, a lot of it is, is incoming, but I am doing proactive promotion, I would call it, I don't know, content marketing for my brand, but I wouldn't think of it that way. I think of it as sharing with people what I'm doing. Um, I'm more conscious of it now, now that I'm like two and a half years into my business, I'm more conscious to post about what I'm doing, even when I don't have a content a video asset to share. So even if I'm not like, look at this amazing video I made for this company, I just post like, hey, I worked with this on-camera coaching client. Here are three things that I'm realizing is um really a roadblock for many of my clients. So now it's coming up with more creative ideas because I don't always have a video with Tina Fey (laughs) to post every week or
0: every month. But you have lessons and tips and content from Mm -hmm. working with clients, right? Mm -hmm. Guess what? I have two spots open on my coaching calendar starting October 1st. Many of you have asked me how you can work with me one-on-one to build your community through sustainable social media practices, partnerships and collaborations, email marketing, publicity, and more. Earlier this summer when I announced I was taking clients, the spots filled up in less than a week. But good news, my calendar is opening up and I'll be taking on two new clients later this fall. If you're interested, simply grab 30 minutes from me through the link in the show notes and let's talk about how we can work together to build your community for bottom line growth. I can't wait to meet you. The other thing you and I talked about before we hopped on was we were both saying that like, We like to take on projects that are like three to six months. So how do you structure what it is that you offer so that you do stay within those boundaries that you've set for yourself? Because I think that's another really hard thing too for service-based entrepreneurs is, you know, getting wrapped up in something. And then the next thing you know, you're like not a full-time employee, but you're functioning as a full-time employee. That's a
1: such a smart question, Lindsay, because I think that a lot of what I have been like digging into and talking to people about is like, oh, well. How many hours a week do you work? And how do you structure your day? And like my whole priority to working for myself has been owning my time more, creating a more flexible life for myself, and also doing impactful work. If I am working 60 hours a week and struggling to make the same salary I made before, why am I doing this? Right. I don't want to do that. So that's a great question. So I'm trying to do project-based work. Um the other big client. Sorry, I, I just finished the last thought earlier. Oh, sorry, the other no 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 no. Just um, the other big client that really like was a part of the first few years of my, again, a contact of a contact, a person I had met through a mix of personal professional, another TV content. She was working as a consultant with It Gets Better, this queer nonprofit, and they invited me to pitch on a project. And you know, I do video production. I I do it for bigger projects, but um, I do like video strategy and production when it's a bigger project. And I pitched on and I got this business. And that was like a project like that it takes about six months, maybe nine months from prep to filming, to editing, to running. And we ended up winning these awards for it. So that was amazing. And that obviously, you know, everyone's ha- everyone's really happy with it and everything like that. And they had actually brought me on for a second project before we even won the awards. They were very happy with, with the project. So again, my biggest clients were all word of mouth. So that was just like wrapping that up. Um, And you were saying about how to balance the time. Oh, I do something that you do. I'm getting better at saying no. As I, every year I get better at guessing how many hours, estimating how many hours I'm going to need for a project. And if I'm doing a three day a week consulting project with someone, like I really can't take on more than like one other client because otherwise then all five days are completely booked it's, there's no time for business development. Um, and there's definitely no time for social or promotional. So I really try to estimate how many hours I'm truly committing to each project. How does that balance? And then where is my flex for me to take my son to swim? Where is my flex for me to take my daughter to the playground? Like I don't want to be a non-employee employee right
0: in this stage of my life. Right. So it's, it's funny the the follow-up to that is like, do you say no to projects? Because I, like I recently, when I was first starting, I had a project that came forth and we kind of got into it and I ended up, it got to like the contract stage and they wanted to move forward. But I didn't feel like in my gut, I was like, this is not going to work. Like, this is going to be a really big pain in the ass for me. And, you know, my husband was like, like, you know, you're just getting started. You shouldn't say no. And like, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is going to take so much time. I can already sense it. And I I just, I trusted my gut and I said, no. And I I said, you know what? We're not going to move forward with the project. Do you like, do you get to that point with people? Do you say no right off the bat? Do you recognize that certain people aren't going to be a fit for you?
1: So I think that's a very astute conversation to bring up. And I think that I'm not going to say for women or for everyone or whatever. I personally have a knowledge that I have in the past been a people pleaser, even though like I'm a New Yorker and I'm a hustler. Like I do want to say yes to everything. And I think I feel, I was just talking about this actually with my husband on social media. Everyone's like, say no, don't forget to, you know, a yes to something, and no to something else. I do feel that way for this part of my career, but I do want to balance it with. At the beginning of your career, I think you have to say yes to everything. Yes, and I think that I wouldn't be where I am if I didn't say yes to everything. Like in the first fifteen years of my career, I think I really said yes to everything, and that's. I I do think it's a big key to why I was successful, Um, but now that I am realigning my priorities and really honestly keeping a sticky note on my computer, reminding me of my priorities and saying like, "Why are you doing this?" So. You have to say no to that stuff. So yes, when I feel a project is either going to take too much time or it just doesn't feel like a client fit, I say no. And you know what? When I was, I think it was at Netflix or at people, I forget. I was at one of my companies and I had presented a proposal to a production company and we had a good working relationship and they said, I don't think this is a fit for us. I was like, oh, I didn't take it personally. I'm like, oh, so they either don't have the time or they don't feel like it's going to be worth their time and money or they don't have the bandwidth right now. It made me realize: people say no to projects, people say no to money. I can also say no to projects, but you have to have that. What is it called? The abundance mindset instead yeah. of the what is it? Positivity, scarcity. Like you have scarcity. Be, yes. So you have to get out of the scarcity mindset. But I have like literally always been the acorn, like the the squirrel with the acorns, like save, 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 like. Never, never say no to a project, and I have to get out of that mindset if I really want to live in a peaceful place where I'm giving my kids my best self. I'm giving my husband my best self, and I'm still doing good work. Otherwise, I'm stretched thin, I'm cranky, I'm not exercising. And like it's spilling over into my house and my personal life. I don't want to do that.
0: but that's that's such first of all, thank you for acknowledging that whole thing because I think that it takes a lot to to say like this is how i I am, and I know maybe I need to be doing something a little bit different. but Um, I definitely think like the way that you're thinking is the right way that is the right way to be thinking in this stage of your career, you know, and that's why I want to ask you about your podcast, because you launched a podcast right recently, and it's all about this. I mean, it's all about, you know, mom's exit. That's what it is. It's called mom's exit interview. So I would love for you to kind of take us on that mental journey as to why you launched the podcast and tell us a little bit about it. Um, and what people can expect from it. Just like we talked about, it's the idea of knowing something isn't right for you,
1: but those mental roadblocks to getting where you want to go. So what I found when I left this big media career, and I was happy, and I I did enjoy my career, but I realized like this isn't the life I want when I have kids now. I have two kids now. So as I started to launch my own business, I had a million questions, self-doubt, Uh, I definitely didn't have a network. I didn't have a mentor. I didn't have an office mate, you know, and I had all these questions of how do I build this business? Um, when I feel like I can't do it, like who's going to tell me to keep going, you know, all of those things. And truly the logistical, when I want to diversify my income, how do I do that? Um, how do I find clients? Like a million questions. And the more I started doing it, I started talking to the women in my neighborhood. And I feel like, some people I would say I'm working for myself and they would just send me job listings. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm working for myself by choice. I'm not on unemployment. Like I really, this is a choice. And then the other people, moms I met were like, oh my God, what are you doing? Like, are you really earning any money? Or is it like just a hobby? I'm like, no, no, no. I have a client. I have two clients now. And I realized like there was this, a lot of interest from moms I knew to create a flexible, but fulfilling life where you're still working, you're still doing something, but that, that doesn't have to be a 60-hour corporate ladder climbing job. And I also met moms who were doing like part-time work, like three days a week in their field. Um, I met uh, a woman who has a, a clothing company. It's going well, but she doesn't want to scale it. She wants to keep it small. She's enjoying it. I see. I ran into her as we were both playing tennis on a Friday morning. I'm like, this is what I want. People, like, I want to be living a life where I'm working and I'm making money, but I can play tennis on a Friday morning. And so- yep. I think that I started meeting these people who were just seeing their career and their life and their personal life in a different way. And I was like, I don't feel like there's something out there for women in whatever stage of transition they're in, whether they want to take the leap or they're already in the leap or they've already leapt and they're looking for community. So I'm a content person. So it took me like about a year to say, no, I'm definitely going to do this because I'm very much all in or all out. I'm either going to make like the world's best podcast or I'm never going to do it.
0: Um, Well, it is a great podcast. So I will tell you that. I will say that to everyone listening and we will obviously be sharing it in the notes, but I want to interject and say that it's an amazing podcast. Keep going.
1: (laughs) Thank you. You know, I've been an executive producer of podcasts. So I, I executive produced a podcast for people magazine. I did development on an entrepreneur magazine and I've done digital video for 15 years and TV for 15 years. So I really wanted to make something where, in each episode, you're hearing inspiration. So, a story of a mom who's taken the leap, who's doing, having a flexible work life and building their life on their own terms. So, it's that inspiration and then action, actionable tips in each episode. Whether that's how to be, how to have wellness, financial tips, business development tips, how to find clients. Um, all of those things that we as moms struggle with. And honestly, like it's launched. I've gotten such amazing response from moms saying it's really helpful and they feel really inspired. But they walk away and they're like jotting down the tips notes. But you can just sign up for the newsletter and I'll email you the tips. Um, but it's really been amazing because I, I have wanted to make a resource for people because I felt a little lost and I did feel like I didn't think that it was so clear in the world that there's so much between being fully home with your children and fully climbing a corporate ladder. There's a lot of ways to create a flexible life. And I'm just so excited to explore that and bring that to the listeners.
0: I love it. I love everything about it. The best part, there's no contract. You can purchase their services as needed on a monthly basis. Use the code FOUNDHER and save 50% off your first month of services. Give them a try. The decision to outsource this part of my business has surely saved me a ton in the long run, and it was the best decision I've made for my business. I want to ask you, we're going to get close to wrapping this up soon, but I have two more things that I want to ask you. One is I want to go back to your video content and your coaching. And I would love for you to share kind of three tips with our listeners. And just there, I I get all the time, like, I'm so overwhelmed as an entrepreneur. I don't know how to do all this. How do I do TikTok? How do I manage Instagram? Blah. Like, you know, people are losing their minds. Like we were even talking about there. there's just so much out there. But in terms of video content, you and I both know that video is king right now or queen is yeah. if we want to say that. What would be kind of three tips for someone when it comes to video content that you would share with like a client? Sure. My
1: first one is be laser focused. So it doesn't matter how big your company is or how small your company is, how much money you have or how much money you don't have. Time and money will just like drift away. So you have to be laser focused on your priorities. Do not jump on TikTok and follow the latest trends if it is not going to serve your purposes. So whether that's reaching new clients, Or educating people. You just have to be laser, laser focused. So number one, be focused on what exactly you're looking to get. Leads, uh, engagement, grow your audience, grow your newsletter, whatever that is, you have to really identify that. And you have to honestly have like a reminder on your computer, or you will end up in Instagram and TikTok two hours later and be like, ugh, I ate up a quarter of my day just like researching social media. Don't do that. So number one, be laser focused. Number two, identify which platforms you do really want to go all in on. For some people, that's like LinkedIn and Instagram. For other people, it's TikTok and Facebook. I I would recommend like a lot of people are out there on social media and they say, you know, you're creating content. So once you create content, you should squeeze the juice out of that lemon as much as you can. I agree with that. If you're filming content, that's your hero piece of content. Let's say you're filming this podcast, your hero piece of content, cut that up in as many ways as possible. You could be cutting that up into short form videos for Instagram reels. And then you could also post that to YouTube. You can be using those quotes as like quote carousels on Instagram, quote carousels on LinkedIn, or and a blog post. So I think it's a little tricky because then you can end up spending so much time repurposing your content. But you did already spend an hour on a podcast. So it does make sense to get as much out of that. But realistically, focus on which platforms. So if you're on LinkedIn and Instagram, you're going to maybe turn these into reels and turn these into quotes. And then you're going to turn it into again. Probably you can do the reels not natively, but you can do the reels uh, on your video editor. Post it to LinkedIn. Have beautiful visual quotes. Post that to LinkedIn and stay there and engage. And you have to engage. You can't just post and run. Um, so those are the the two. My two first ones. The third one is you have to show up on video if you're trying to grow your business. People need to know you, and you don't have to be this like perfect like model anchor person on TV. You just have to be the most confident authentic version of yourself. And, you know, I think that the word, like I do media training, I really do on-camera coaching because you might not have a media interview more than twice a year or if ever, but you need to show up for your business to grow your business a hundred percent. You know, video, video gets better open rates. Um, Content marketing with video does better. So you have to be on video and you have to show who you are. And I think there are certain ways, like if you're shy, you can start with like a photo of yourself or you could start with just some voiceover with some footage or something else. There's a lot of creative ways to be there, but the way to get better is to practice. So you have to take a class, you have to learn the tips, but then you have to practice. It's like anything else. So those are like my biggest tips for people as they grow their business. And I've really seen, I, I've really seen it work for people. And I'll tell you, everyone is self conscious. Everyone hates the sound of their own voice. I've met CEOs who are like absolutely stunning resumes. And they're like, You know, you'd meet them and be like, "What is this person self-conscious of?" They look great. Everyone's in their own head, and everyone hates hearing their voice and seeing their face.
0: So you're in good company. You got to fight through it. I love it. You know, I love like everything that you just said. I know, like you, you see what I post also, and I can, I wholeheartedly agree with everything and i there are two things i want to follow up on before i ask you my final question the first thing i want to say is i totally agree with you on the repurposing content that is like what i do that is what i teach and i think and i want to follow up with what you said about that because i think that a lot of people get in their own heads about repurposing content but once you have a system of repurposing which that's what i teach people is like here's the system of repurposing and really squeezing the 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 lemon to get as much juice as possible you know it's really Half the battle is the content, but half the battle is the process and the system to make it work so that it's seamless. And you know, you get this podcast. And here's what I'm going to do when I get the podcast. And you have all these 10 steps that you take so that then you have all of this content. So I love that you said that. And I also love that you brought up the TikTok trends and not just like jumping on TikTok. So I like kind of made it earlier this summer that I was going to like learn TikTok. And I have, I, just due to the craziness in the last three weeks, I really haven't been on it much. But my 11 year old was like teaching me TikTok. Okay. And she was like, she is a TikTok master. She has like 5,000 followers. She knows how to get all these views of like showing her shampoo. Like it's fucking crazy. Okay. But to your point, she does not know how to use TikTok to grow a business. And I could have 5,000 followers, I could have 10,000 followers. But if people aren't buying from me or people aren't paying me to, you know, for my services or listening to my podcast, then it means shit.
1: It's it's the biggest, biggest thing is, and I've, I've, one of the guests I had on, um, mom's exit interview is an Instagram coach. And she says she has, you know, 50,000 followers. Her, some of her best business months of revenue were when she had 2000 followers. So I think the most important thing is we are grownups we need to get out of that high school popularity contest mindset because I promise you people you know with a thousand, two thousand, five thousand, whatever followers are making great money and building a great business. So don't think if I don't have 50,000 or a hundred thousand or whatever followers, I'm not successful. You have to really stay focused. I have this client who's a realtor and he's great on camera and he's doing great video. And he already was at a hundred thousand on TikTok, two hundred thousand, and I we worked together, and I built him a, a strategy plan. He's doing great content, and he's making great content, and I sat down and we sat down. And I said, "Are you bringing in clients? Are you hitting your goals from these videos? Otherwise, like we need to revamp this." And so what we did, we built out a whole plan of how do you get to your clients, the clients you want to find. How do you bring them in as clients instead of just being a person who's showing them a luxury home instead of just getting a 16-year-old from their parents' home in Nebraska or whatever, who's never going to hire you as a New York broker. So we made a plan and we did educational videos. And then we also focused on getting press, you know, that can lend a lot of credibility getting you, he got a Bloomberg hit through his agency. But we, we came up with this pitch, like how are we going to pitch you as being an expert with credibility? So then that's going to bring more. I'll tell you when you get press hits, it really opens a lot of of doors because people really see you in a different way. Um, it really separates you. Uh, like they say, whatever separates the wheat from the chef, um, you know, it's a mid, Midwestern thing. Right. Um, and, uh, but yeah, focusing on that strategy. And so we, we focus on doing education. We focus on doing press and we focus on showing up in different ways, even on TikTok and Instagram. And what he was finding is TikTok ended up being like a waterfall to Instagram and then Instagram, he could bring more personal, personal stuff and also more local stuff. So. If you're a broker per se, maybe your luxury home tours are doing really well, but you really want people in your neighborhood to hire you to sell right. their homes or to buy homes with you. So really figuring out what that flow is um, and really honing in on that strategy because you really want to make sure at the end of the day, you're bringing clients and you're making right. money. We're not doing it for fun. We're not high totally. schoolers showing our shampoo.
0: Totally. <laughs> Last question, And then I'll give you your day back. I want you to tell our listeners, I want you to share three tips for those who are starting out, starting a new business, three actionable things that they should be doing, um, to capitalize on this moment in time for them.
1: Okay. Number one, believe you can do it. So a part of that is like getting your crew. Who's going to every day lift you up. Um, you can have a day or a week or a month where you're like, oh my God, why did I do this? Like, this isn't going to work. Does this make any sense? You have to just say, I believe it. And you have to put yourself in control and say, I'm doing this because this is my choice. I'm doing this because I want to be doing this. I've had many days where I'm like, oh, like I'm working so hard. And is this what I want? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I chose to do this. I left a career with a lot of clarity. And I'm doing this every single day. I wake up and I'm like, no, I'm doing this because I'm choosing to do this and like focusing on the positive. Um, Number two, show up and tell your network, tell your network what you're doing. Um, people feel like it's, it's like bragging or, or it's like uncomfortable or whatever. It's not bragging. Your network likes you, right? Aren't they following you? Cause they like you. And if they don't like you, then you should mutually unfollow each other. Um, so just remember like people are rooting for you, but you have to be showing up and, and letting them know how they can help you. Um, so letting people know what you're doing, letting people know what your services are and really leveling it up. Um, this is a good question and I should have been ready for the tips. So here's my, my third tip. Okay. So first is believe in yourself. Second is network. Um, third is keep learning and growing. Um, I think that you always have to invest in yourself. So whether that's a course or a coach or whatever, however, you want to figure out what you want to do with that next step, lean on friends, colleagues, peers, coaches, classes, absolutely keep learning. Like we were talking about earlier, whatever you did in your past life, you probably had four jobs wrapped in one. When you work for yourself, you have 30. Yeah. So, you and delegate, sorry, within that, learn and delegate. Um, I'm still, when I was at a company, I was great at delegating. I did very little that wasn't the highest and best use of my time, which Rebecca Minkoff had on our show. That was her tip, like delegate and only do what's the highest and best use of your time. I was great at that as an executive. I'm not as great at doing that as a founder. I'm getting better. So I think
0: that's another part of it is delegating. Kim Ripberg. You are amazing. This episode is filled with so much amazing content. And of course, because you are a content creator. um, But thank you so much for being here. All of the links of where to find Kim are in our show notes, as well as where to find her podcast, Mom's Exit Interview. So thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to share this conversation. Thank you so much. There are so many amazing tidbits and takeaways from today's episode with Kim. As always, I'll be sending all of them out in my newsletter, The Found Her Files, later this week, so make sure that you subscribe to the link in my show notes. When you do, you'll also get a lesson every single week to help you grow your own business sent straight to your inbox. But for now, here are the five takeaways from today's episode. Number one, figure out what it is that you love to do and create a business around that. Number two, Whether you have confidence or not, you have to put yourself out there in order to get clients. How Kim got clients is she posted and shared what she was up to on LinkedIn. She still does. And she's also proactive and shares with people and tells them what it is that she's doing so that they'll reach out for her services when they're ready. Number three, learn how to say no. Kim says she's getting better at it. You want to make sure that you estimate how many hours you're truly committing to the project, and then you want to figure out where your flex is so that you can do things like pick up your kids from school or take a workout class. You don't want to be a non-employee employee at this stage in your life. Number four, we are grownups and we need to get out of the high school popularity contest. People with one to 2,000 followers are making really good livings. Don't get caught up in the vanity metrics. And number five, believe in yourself. Have your crew that lifts you up, but you have to put yourself in control and say, I am doing this because this is my choice and what I want to be doing. I want to thank Kim so much for being here today for this episode of Dear Founder and thank you to everyone who's tuned in. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure that you take out your phone, scroll all the way down and click that five-star rating or leave a review so that others can find us. We have some amazing guests coming up and you do not want to miss them. So make sure that you subscribe to the show on Apple or Spotify or wherever it is that you listen. If you know someone who wants to start their own business or who's ready to leave corporate America, just doesn't know how to take the leap like Kim, please make sure that you text them this episode. It's a really good one. Or share it in your Instagram stories. Tag me and I'll reshare some of those to say thank you. Stay tuned for another episode of Dear Founder coming your way every Tuesday and Thursday.